What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of THP Strength. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about load management. We're going into every single little injury that you could have, whether it's shin splints or back pain or tendon pain, and how load management applies to each of those because it's not just tendons. It also can be applied to the muscles, to the connective tissue, any real connective tissue, the bones. And it all comes back to these adaptation timelines and recovery timelines. But we'll get into that in a second. Before we do that, we want to give a quick shout out to our advertisers and sponsors. Firstly, we want to shout out Legion. If you guys are serious about your recovery, one of the only ways that you can improve it is by giving your body what it already needs. By taking fish oil and multivitamin, you are filling those holes in your nutrition so that your body can function more optimally and help itself recover better. Foam rolling, icing, contrast, all that other stuff is pairs in comparison to just making sure you're getting the right micronutrients in your diet to allow yourself to adapt optimally. Secondly, we want to give a shout out to Hawkins Dynamics. There's the force plates that I use to get data on my RFD, peak forces, average forces. They have great leasing options. If you guys are interested in that, you can check out the link in the description, or you can go to their Instagram or their website and look at their leasing options if you're interested in getting force plates for testing and all those things that you might need it for. And lastly, we want to shout out ourselves. If you guys are interested in coaching and receiving coaching from myself and Isaiah and Hunter and Austin, make sure that you go to our website, THP Strength, and sign up for a consulting call, or you can sign up for training-only options where you miss out probably the most valuable part of the coaching, which is access to us, where we can individualize the coaching, make it specific to you, add in appropriate amounts of variation and adjust for injuries or changes in your scheduling, all that good stuff by signing up for the full service. All that said, we can get into it here. Firstly, I just want to say any updates as far as life. Isaiah, Hunter. Want to take it away? Take it away, Isaiah. <laughs> My quad is at a three Oh, today. you're totally muted. Squad. There's nothing. You just muted yourself. There's good absolutely job. no sound. Well himself, done. So well done. First. <laughs> <laughs> Update, my quad is at a three on a pistol squat. John cleared me to dunk tomorrow. Hype. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Didn't sleep last Short night. Sweet. Love it. Didn't sleep well last night. Nope. It's all right. I'll take a couple naps. <laughs> but it's okay. I'm here ready to go, baby. Hunter, life updates. I get to dunk today. And I can say that and actually believe I can dunk. <laughs> I will like, dunk today. Today's a jump day. But now. Today's a dump yeah, day. that'll be solid. Today is also a jump day for me, so I'll be going over to the track after I walk my doggy. Also, my smoking hot girlfriend, <laughs> if you've ever seen. What's the movie with the guy that plays Jackie Moon, Will Ferrell? About. Oh, basketball, <laughs> semi-pro? <laughs> That's the Flint Tropics win the Mega Bowl. No, it's uh, the other movie he's in where he's like a race car driver. Corn dogs, Jackie. <laughs> Corn dogs for everybody. <laughs> Corn dogs for all these people. No, what's what's the racing one that he's in? Boys, I just want to thank God for my smoking hot wife. Oh, uh, Talladega Nights. Yeah, that's what I was referencing. My smoking hot girlfriend is coming back today. Uh, <laughs> I like thinking about Jesus, baby Jesus, baby Jesus, eight pound, six ounce. <laughs> all right. Anyways, uh, enough of Will Ferrell. Chip, I'm gonna come after you <laughs> like a spider monkey. 
<laughs> if you guys haven't seen today. these movies, you need to watch them because they're hilarious. <laughs> Especially the basketball one. I love that one. What is it? Super. Wait, is Fun going? fact. Young Hollywood was the dunk when they invented the alley-oop. <laughs> that was Young, young Hollywood? Hollywood was, no way. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. That's actually that's why they call him Young Hollywood. That is so <laughs> funny. That's so awesome. Yeah. I wondered that. <laughs> wow. All right. Anyways, we'll get into it. I need to rewatch it with that lens. All right. So enough about the <laughs> corn dogs. Enough about. I just <laughs> randomly do that after a dunk today. Just gonna turn to the camera and go. <laughs> I can't even get into this podcast. I'm laughing too hard. All right. So load management. Well, we John had a good off. night last night. Clearly, <laughs> I slept. I am happy. So we're into the podcast here, which is load management. Isaiah's experiences, my experiences, Hunter's experiences. So Isaiah, we'll start with you. What is your experience with load management and applying it to your training and all those, everything? Yeah. So load management is actually how I started working with John. As most of you guys know, I started working with him because of having really bad knee pain. And he took me through, I think I was one of his first like uh, lab test, lab test tube <laughs> creation thingies. You're my first yeah. lab rat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So other than myself, he, yeah. So he applied everything he learned about load management to me, and it worked extremely effectively. We got back to what year was this? Dunking, twenty eighteen, twenty seventeen or eighteen, twenty eighteen. It was right before dunk camp. So about three years ago. Yes, yeah. So it was. I was in the load management program for about three months from March. It was like four months from March to June, and yeah, I got back to being able to dunk with minimal knee pain since then from my own stupidity i've needed load management a, a few times i'm currently on load management right now and yeah it works really effectively as far as helping other athletes i've also gotten pretty good at using it for other athletes namely i had a personal lab rat by the name of travis reynolds he came to me actually i, I went to him because i saw he had knee pain and i didn't want him to go through what i went through offered to help him out this was before thp also this was like maybe three four months before thp was a thing. was it that early on yeah it was uh oh that's right you started with him like right before we joined forces you were helping him that was like yeah, yeah. your first project i remember that now yeah because yeah. i remember putting his train or seeing his training on team builder all the time yeah so he had really bad knee pain and i took him through a really similar load management he lost a cycle ton of that. weight too it was crazy sorry i had to interrupt that was uh, like yeah. think load about management that. yeah it's insane what did you say we should get him on a podcast we definitely be should talk because he's honestly probably been the most aside from like a couple other guys Maybe other like than tom you barnes and stuff like that <laughs> and tom um, barnes yeah. he's been I, I don't think he missed a single workout like in a year and a half his compliance he started december yeah Cause the, yeah, cause the thing I told him, I was like, I'm going to help you out. Cause this is when I barely had any clients and I wanted to <laughs> help. I wanted to help Travis out. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, look, I'll train you with one caveat, caveat. I don't know how to say that. Caveat. Yeah. I'm really bad at pronouncing words. I know the corn dogs, <laughs> <laughs> corn dogs, <for> everybody. <laughs> what I told him was that I will train him. I will help you out with your knee pain, but you can't miss a single workout. If you do one thing that against what I say, if, if you miss one workout, I'm done. I'm not going to train you. So 
Yeah, I told him that, and he literally has not missed a single training session in a year and a half, and he has probably the craziest progress that we've had from someone. He was doing like, he couldn't even dunk, but when he could dunk, he was, no offense, Travis, he was definitely too heavy to be a dunker, and he wasn't paying attention to his diet, wasn't training at all. He was doing another very prominent program and not seeing progress on it for his knee pain, and Isaiah was like... Like this is, you're not making progress. You got to change up yeah. what you're doing here. And he went from that to a year and a half later, probably losing like 25 pounds or something like that. I don't know how much weight it was, yeah. but it was a lot. And doing like a behind the back, between the legs, windmills off the backboard, like off the lob, off the dribble, one foot dunk, one foot yeah. windmill. And like, his weight room numbers are getting oh yeah pretty oh yeah. What's his power? He came from now? completely untrained. I remember he couldn't power clean the bar. He, <laughs> He was in a he was in a group chat with me and John and I remember him sending like ninety five pounds as his max for a power clean. And it was terrible. <laughs> yeah. He just full cleaned, I believe, two twenty five catching in a deep squat. He deep squatted I think three like right at three hundred or two eighty five. Was that back like squat that. or front squat? Back squat. Yeah. Front squat I think is two forty five, two twenty I think it's two forty five, two sixty five around there. We literally um, made him a freak athlete when I think about it. Yeah. And he's gotten to the point where <laughs> I just hate I his like technique. That's could, why I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. But he's gotten to the point where he can probably turn into a pretty good professional dunker, like a competitive yeah. dunker. Yeah. He's at that point now, um, I think. So his journey, again, was knee pain. I took him through a, a progression. We took away jumping completely. We're going to go into depth about uh, a little more details about the, how the low management works, but progresses jumping up, progresses strength work up. And now he rarely ever has knee pain. I think he's experienced a couple bouts of it since then. But like we just back off the training a little bit, do mini load management Mm -hmm. for a week or two. And then that usually brings his pain back down. But yeah, that's my experience. And then countless other athletes on THP that we just threw through the coaching that we've helped. So, yeah. Biggest thing is compliance. Compliance is everything. And making sure you have the right diagnosis. Like misdiagnosis is probably the biggest issue. If you say you have a tendon problem. And then you don't have a tendon problem and you have a meniscus or something like that's where it can be problematic or like then you have to make some adjustments but i think we should uh cover that real quick this load management apply applies to most tendons and then so most tendons and then we'll use it for like shin splints it's like like a modified it's like a modified load management for the other stuff though because the timelines are different and i'll maybe yeah yeah we'll cover that a little bit more i want to go through hunter and my experience before we really dive into like (laughs) the heavy nitty-gritty of that i'll I'll write it in the note right 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 in the note note. all right hunter what was your experience with load management had you ever done it prior to us or your entire life you said prior to the podcast was load management you were always hurt it's just been it's just been my entire life since ninth grade his life I mean, work is I being playing injured. High school football, <laughs> tore my left meniscus, came back. My dad was like, suck it up. You're doing two days, like four days into two days, tore my right meniscus. Thanks, dad. Next year, <laughs> tore my right meniscus, went to college, freshman year, hurt my back. Sophomore year, wasn't allowed to practice without ankle braces because I'd sprain them <laughs> so often. I had nerve damage in my right arm. My junior year of college, I tore my right meniscus and my left meniscus. I've had shoulder issues. I've had clavicular joint issues. So basically for the last, I don't know, 12 years. Uh, how's your pain uh, on THP? T- <laughs> oh, yeah. And John. No, that's not what I asked. <laughs> <laughs> you fucked yourself. <laughs> you fucked yourself up. <laughs> a, and B, when you did what I said, how's your pain level now? 
I saw the meme, the meme where he, where he was like, oh, I'll, the, the, I'll just load up the bar with a million pounds <laughs> yeah, and jump dude. with it. Oh, wait, it's a general easy day? <laughs> Time to go to the yeah, gym yeah. and do All a right, thousand okay. bicep so, curls so, and put 250 pounds on the bar and jump with it. <laughs> so for real, yesterday I had an easy slash off day. And you want me to tell you what I did? Took your dog for I a walk. I got almost nine hours of sleep and I didn't do anything. I'm proud of you. Oh, my God. Wow, you're probably gonna jump really high today. <laughs> yeah, well, those tempos. That squats, you're maybe not. Feeling my body's nice. gonna be like, I don't even know what to do with this. Yeah, dude. Like, like speaking of Will Ferrell and Tal, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to do with my. I don't hands. know what to do with my. Put, put him down. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so that's uh, your experience in the past. Now you've been on a load management progression, actually, and you're pretty much. Oh, really? Was that that three. four three four squat progression? Okay, that, was that load management? Well, that was. I'm sorry, that wasn't what you're supposed to do. But anyways, but prior to that. Prior to you, when you actually do the program appropriately, and when I don't fuck up, <laughs> it works. So Hunter is pretty much pain free right now. I would say you would agree with that. Are you shaking your head? Yes, or, you, knock or on no? Like every piece of knock wood. on wood. <laughs> <laughs> Just knock on everything yeah, in this yeah, yeah. house. <laughs> but things are good right now, so it definitely does work. I I myself have used it for the last, I'd say on and off for the last two years when I have flare ups and things like that. It just depends on what I'm doing, adding plyo volume is always going to be throw a wrench in things and going to cause problems unless you really monitor what you're doing. And that took a lot of communication between Matt and I to get it where it needed to be volume wise and intensity wise and load wise. But I first, I, I forget I'm like the forefather in dunking for load management. No one really had heard of it. Yeah. And then I spoke about it at dunk camp and everyone's like, isometrics. And I'm like, that's not the point of what I just talked about for the last hour and a half. You just took one Bro, part of it. <laughs> I remember when I was at, uh, I can say this ATG dunk weekend. Yeah. And I remember I did ISOs and this was the weekend. Everybody had messed up knees, which mm. is why they got invited there. But I remember I went there and I started doing ISOs and then everybody was like oh i'm gonna do that and everybody was doing isos and i was like this is your first time doing it it's probably gonna make you sore and you also probably don't know how to do it properly like everybody just grabbed their knee and started pushing yeah, out against yeah, their hands definitely it definitely was load popular. management is not just isometrics it is not isometrics load management is not isometrics isometrics is something you can do to warm up your tendon and help with nociception or your perception of pain and help with a couple other things but it is not a cure-all i think people assume that is all we prescribe They're like isometrics that's the hp and i'm like yeah. no it's because people look for that magical exercise they want something the thing they is want like it'll one help. exercise to represent yeah it'll help yeah. if you're not if you're gonna add one thing to your training that's actually gonna help your tendon warming up with isometrics is probably the easiest most effective thing that you can do to help your tendon pain for sure but if you jump a ton and you already have a ton of tendon pain it's not gonna work like it's just going to make it worse probably. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people neglect is that it's load management. It's not adding, it's not just adding load. It's sometimes pulling away. And I gave the lecture, a bunch of dunkers started putting on their story. Isometrics went really crazy. And slowly over the last two years, I have changed my loading schemes a lot for a lot of people because I realized that my training was too hard for people and that they're soft. And I challenge, if you're listening to this and you're one of my athletes, and you nice hunter <laughs> and you if you're one of my athletes and you are on the six day a week loading where it's high low and you do every session comment below and let me know because i really doubt i highly doubt after coaching isaiah for the last three years and seeing his response and knowing myself and how i am and how difficult the training actually is i highly doubt a lot of the people on the training actually do 
every single element of it. So if you do, and you are on the training and you are on that setup, let me know in the comment section if you do every single session because yo someone hit me up on instagram dm it was like dude i feel you getting tired after john doesn't let you touch weights for a two-hour fucking warm-up and i was like yeah, yeah. all i hear you is actually do this all i though. hear is oh, i'm not gonna say it <laughs> i can't say it because he hurts <laughs> Oh dang it! Corn dogs, Jackie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's tough. You gotta, not you, got, you gotta not be soft. You gotta really dive in. And the thing is, like, load management is probably less volume. It's probably forty percent less volume than the normal training loads that I would give people. So when people are like, "Can I hoop and do the hard program?" I'm like, "There's no way you're doing every part of this because you'd be training three or four hours a day and your knees would explode." There's just no way you're doing it, or you're not doing it. So when people say that, I'm always like, really doubting it, unless they're just built different. And that happens sometimes. Guys are built different. But that's my experience with it. Definitely works, super effective, and we will we will get into it. This there's a note here you added when not to use load management, aka what injuries should not oh, should not do THP on. I don't know what that means, Isaiah. Your grammar is really rough. Yeah, sorry, my my, my grammar's rough when I <laughs> type notes. But basically I want to clarify what type of injuries people have and should you not do online coaching for like when should you see like a, okay. like a healthcare okay, professional yeah, yeah. instead disclaimer of, disclaimer i am not a doctor i am not a doctor i will say that again i'm not a doctor i am not giving you medical, medical advice, advice or go telling you what to your do doctor. go see your doctor okay do not go to your doctor and be like i know that you told me i have a torn acl mcl and meniscus in my right knee but john evans on this one <laughs> podcast told me that if i did x y and z it would cure itself yeah, no i want to be clear i am going to tell you my experience is what the evidence says, what my friends who are PTs and MDs and DOs and what the evidence and contraindications and things like that indicate. That said, that's, this is not me giving you medical advice, but if you listen to Ebony Rio, Jill Cook, Craig Purdom, you can pretty quickly tell if something is attended by loading it quickly and seeing if there's more pain, if you load it quickly versus slowly. So if it's a patella, for example, jumping will hurt the most. Slow squats will hurt less fast or squat. Like a, it's a continuum. So the most painful thing would be the fastest, highest loaded activity. Tendons respond to load in terms of your pain is directly correlated with the load you put on the tendon. If you put more load on the tendon, you're going to have more pain. So if you load it fast and you load it with more weight or force, you're going to have more pain. So more force and faster force means more pain in the tendon. If you have a tendinopathy, typically you'll feel it right on the site of the junction of the bone and the tendon. So if it's your patella, it'll be right under your patella tendon. I say patella just to shorthand it, but if it's the patella tendon, it'll be the junction. Usually if you're a high jumper on the medial side, so the inside of your kneecap on the very bottom where the junction of the bone and the tendon is, if you're a two foot jumper and you have really large tibial tuberosities, and that's the bone coming out of the tibia, the bump the jumper's bump or whatever you call it, Isaiah, uh, the Oscar, the bump. Oscar slaughters bump, which is another thing. Yeah. I don't think Oscar slaughters is like a valid, I think it is the bone growing into the tendon and that junction getting flared up. And it's really just tendinopathy and it's ongoing because of development, but Oscar yeah. slaughters, I don't think is like a valid, it doesn't tell you what the problem is. And if you go to the site, the only thing that's there is the bone and your tendon and the junction. And when people point to the bone, like it hurts right here. I'm like, yeah, that's basically tendinopathy. It's the tendon bony yeah. junction and you're feeling tendinopathy at the air. 
that's actually what I had. I had Osgood Slaughters growing up. I think it started at 14. And then I kept jumping every day, and it just never went away even after I stopped growing. So it was – and then we just treated it like tendinopathy, and it went away. Also, we've had a lot of people with Osgood Slaughters. We won't, won't go into details, they, but yeah, or so they claim. We treat it, yeah, and we just treat it like tendinopathy, and it works really well. I've found – for people with Oscar Slaughter's isometrics are really effective. Yeah. It changes. Um, it depends on the joint angle too. Yeah. If you have a more open knee joint angle, that's going to be less provocative than going deeper because I believe that the tendon experiences compression when you yeah. go into that deep knee flexion. So the bone is really pushing into the tendon being pressed into the tendon, which causes a lot of pain. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, I believe there's four different ways that, uh, can irritate the tendon or there's like oh, four, the, four ways yeah. to... I guess I didn't even say really how you tell. Really how you tell is, do you have pain on the tendon when you load it fast? If you have pain on the tendon site when you load it fast, if you can point to the tendon, you feel the tendon, any tendon, it could be the Achilles, it could be the quad tendon, it could be the patella, it could be the bicep tendon, tricep tendon, vastus lateralis, vastus on the lateralis and the greater trochanter. If you load it fast and it responds with pain, then you know that, and you circle, It's if you were to circle the area, and you're like, yeah, that's right where the tendon is. It's probably tendinopathy. People are always like, oh, it's bursitis or it's this other stuff. And I'm like, you're doing a, something that involves super elastic activities where the tendon's acting like a spring over and over again. It's highly likely that where you circled, there's a tendon because I know basic anatomy <laughs> and you're using that mu muscle and bone a lot or that muscle and tendon a lot. It's probably tendinopathy. And then you give them essentially load, load management progression and then it gets better. And it's, yeah, that makes sense to me. But to answer your question, Isaiah, was what was it again? The four or what? There's so there's like ways that you can that the tendon can experience like pain, like things that induce it. Oh, things you shouldn't do. No, no, no. It's so it's like load compression. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I summed it up earlier, but yeah, speed. Yeah, that was from lecture. The old lecture. I've parsed it down now. What Isaiah is referring to is in my load management lecture, I say there's three things. It's like the speed that you load the tendon, the magnitude of that load, and the range of motion that you load that tendon through are essentially how you could quantify the load on the tendon. If you're running into a jump with a weight vest on, <laughs> that's going to be probably the most provocative thing that you could do for your tendon. Or if you're doing, or if it's your Achilles and you're doing depth jumps with a weight vest on and you have really short ground contact times, that's going to be one of the most provocative. Or you drop from a higher height, maybe you don't even need a weight vest or a sissy squat depth jump a with sissy a sissy squat vest. depth jump with a weight vest that's going to be really bad yeah landing in a very landing in a lot of flexion at the knee or the Achilles or at the ankle knee or the ankle is going to load the tendon more because you experience compression which is the bone pushing into the tendon which there's good evidence on increases tendon the loading on the tendon and that's going to make it more provocative in the hamstring tendon is a great example if you go into a deep squat and the bone is pushing into the tendon at the ischial tuberosity, which is like the bump that you sit on, or if you're sitting in hard chairs all the time or whatever else, you're adding compressive loads to that tendon. And if you don't account for that, it is gonna cause problems. And that's why the range of motion is also really important because it not only, it not only is because of the moment, the changes in leverage, and the fact that you're at more of a mechanical disadvantage when you're in a deeper position, but it's also the addition of compression as you move into deeper positions at the hip or the knee or the ankle. Usually it causes more issues because again, the bone is pushing in actively to the tendon. 
So those are the three ways that I quantify the intensity of an activity and being able to use that, those three variables, you can pretty clearly write out a continuum of intensities if you know what you're doing to be able to progress people back and doing this cyclically, this is just summing up what load management is doing it cyclically in such a way that you don't see massive spikes in pain or when you do, you know how to respond is how you get people to slowly drip feed back to their full intensity and full effort levels. That's a summing it up. <laughs> you would agree with that Isaiah? Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So to, I guess how, we to, can... how to quantify this is related to it. I didn't really talk about this, but I do want to cover this. Yeah. When you're talking about how to quantify load, it's under, it's important to understand how tendons function. And like I said, this does apply to other things, but load management initially, I would even say threshold pain threshold training applies more to the other types of tissue in the body, like the bone and some of the cartilages, but the tendons specifically function like springs and the stiffer, the spring, the harder it is to load it. So if you have a very stiff Achilles or a very stiff patella, you're going to need more force to get it to function like a spring and a force amplifier. The analogy that I have here is that springs can act like stiff force transducers, like pulling a rock with a steel pole, or they can act like a force amplifier, which is like loading a slingshot. Meaning if you're doing a standing jump, for example, you might not actually see the tendon lengthen and shorten and store and release energy because it's too slow. You might just see it function like a steel bar. Whereas in the lever system, it's just a really stiff lever that's functioning to move your body through a range of motion fast, but it's not actually amplifying the force that you're seeing in that movement versus a running jump. You might see the tendon function like a slingshot where it's actually adding load and vaulting you into space or into over the bar or whatever else, or sprinting the Achilles functioning like a force amplifier. That's why you see, if you've ever worked with elite sprinters, this is a good analogy or a good example illustrations, the word I'm looking for. <laughs> if you've ever worked with elite, elite sprinters with crazy stiff Achilles, they absolutely <clears throat> suck at standing vertical jump. They are so bad at it. <laughs> they cannot do it. They suck at med okay. ball throws. They suck at anything that requires some of the football guys did better, but the majority of the time, they're just not good at things that they don't have enough load on their tendon to take advantage of. Meaning when they upright sprint, they're seeing huge forces super quickly through their Achilles. But when they're doing like a standing vertical jump, they don't have enough energy to get the tendon to stretch and function like a, like a force amplifier. It, it just functions as a stiff force transducer. So it's totally muscular. And some of these football guys will basically override that by just being so insanely powerful that either their muscles are strong enough to actually tug on the tendon anyways, even if they don't have enough load on the down phase or whatever else or they function like a force transducer and their RFD in the muscles so high that they jump crazy high or sprint crazy fast in those starting movements, which is why you want to address the entire force velocity curve so that you address every single degree per second joint velocity. When you're starting, you start at zero degrees. When you start sprinting, that's going to go from, it's going to progress. You don't just go from zero to 180. It's not instantaneous. There's a curve that you move along and you move across. And that's why I always say you want to surf the force velocity curve because you start at zero and at some point you're going to be at one. At some point you're going to be at two. At some point you're going to be at three degrees per second and you accelerate across that change in velocity. And that all said, the tendon is a spring. <laughs> it can function like a force transducer, which is just 
a connector that lets you move one thing to another, like a steel bar, or it can function like a slingshot where it's actually going to amplify force and get you to move farther or faster. And load management is taking advantage of that basic principle or understanding of the tendon. Isaiah, you would agree with that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so back, yeah. So back to what I had asked. Stephen Selly um, says back to that. me. <laughs> so what injuries should you go see a professional for instead of doing the the program okay yeah like online coaching basically anything that's not a tendon i would recommend you get a, a diagnostic for if you're if you have a herniated disc like tendons are difficult because they're only going to hurt when you're trying to do some crazy explosive activity and across a continuum where activities of daily living or sedentary lifestyle is the beginning of that progression and at the end of the progression is max effort single leg jumping across that continuum you're moving across tendon load in the middle might be jogging and towards the farther end of the spectrum might be running faster and towards the end, other end of the spectrum might be cutting and changing direction and towards the far end of the spectrum or continuum is max effort single leg jumping so if it's a tendon odds are like walking upstairs and stuff like that even if you have a little bit of pain it's yeah i can still do it. it's not a big deal it goes up and down it just hurts when i play and people are like what are you gonna do go see the doctor the doctor's gonna say stop playing <laughs> like <clears throat> they don't they're not <clears throat> or they're going to say, oh, let's give you an injection or let's give you a, a surgery or something. But like, if you're feeling pain walking upstairs, a little bit of pain, they're not going to be like, let's have surgery. They're not going to do that. That's just like ridiculous. Yeah. And if you have a meniscus or something or an ACL or a PCL or LCL or MCL or these ligaments, odds are like you need to go see a doctor for that because they're prob they're, they're pretty avascular. I'm assuming they can probably adapt as well. They definitely do adapt as well, but that's not something that you can just do PT to get through. That's something that like you need to actually go speak to someone to have a diagnostic done and you probably need surgery. I don't know if there are many interventions where you can not have a surgery and it'll for an ACL or PCL or LC or MC. I don't know. Do you guys know anything about that? I don't know. I, I I'm do sure know. if it's a partial, like it would probably have some capacity to heal itself. Like the meniscus, so the superficial portion personal, of the meniscus can. So I have a personal anecdote as far as it being like a partial. So I'm pretty sure I partially um, tore my meniscus three years ago. Yeah, that, I was doing a dunk show. That one's undisputed. The superficial portion can repair on that. Not undisputed, yeah, but it, so it definitely was, can heal. I was doing a dunk show and I did a uh 180 between the legs off a handoff and on that dunk i my landing's always the same i should probably try to fix this but i always land on my right leg every single time just because like i'm falling away and then my left leg's up and i always land on my right leg during that dunk show i landed suit like stiff-legged onto the ground no like bend in my knee basically and i'm pretty sure i messed up my meniscus it was like pretty excruciating pain for a couple of days and then at the time, I didn't have health insurance, so... Oh, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. We've been there. We have been so poor. You guys, we should talk about how pro poor Pro-dunker we money, sometimes. baby. I didn't even have pro-dunker money, bro. <laughs> I had student loan money. Like, I, I was just going broke, more broke, and more broke. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't, see, I didn't see a doctor for it, and I just rested. I took time off, and it got better slowly, and then through the years, it's come back and it's, but i remember when i first started sprinting because sprinting obviously you have to be you have to be stiff at, at the knee and at stiff, the huh? achilles 
<laughs> you gotta be hard at the knee. <laughs> at the knee, you gotta have um, a lot of joint stiffness. Yeah, but like that straight legged contact, it really flared it up. I remember we took some time off from sprinting and focused on like slow strength and things like that because I also had regular knee pain. But it's gotten to the point where I like never have issues with it. It the worst I'll feel it was if I go on a fourteen hour mm-hmm. flight and my knee is bent the entire time. Like, when I first stand up, it feels weird. But other than that, it's been, like, super manageable. And there's – I know there's guys that have gone through similar – What's interesting like, is similar. that the research indicates that early surgery for meniscus is a better outcome than, like, resistance training and training. That's that, I thought that was pretty interesting because most times people are like, oh, surgery is the last option. But if you look at the outcomes and you look at some of the research, I don't have the research off the top of my head, but I could find it. If you do, you look at reviews where they're looking at all of the outcomes of meniscus rehab or surgery, it actually indicates surgery is a better option. You have less pain in the long term versus not having surgery and doing a strength resistance training intervention. And I, I have a lateral meniscus tear and a medial meniscus tear. Both of mine almost never give me pain. I did them in undergrad deep squatting whenever I was being told like, oh, if you don't deep squat, you're not an athlete. And I was like, oh, I guess I got a deep squat. And I was trying to isn't get into weightlifting. Th- isn't it a thing? It's twisting um, and flexion where is where from. you're going to tear your meniscus. <laughs> That's like yeah, surefire. Isn't way it to a do. thing that like most athletes, I don't remember where I heard this, but it's like most athletes have like, hernia. It's some, I, yeah. I've heard something similar to that, but with the meniscus. Yeah, it, it's, it's if you were to do an MRI of everyone's meniscus that is an athlete or whatever else, you would like, or their discs or whatever else, you would likely observe some level of compression or herniation or i forget what it is uh where the disc gets smaller or whatever else it's like before you herniate it there's something else that happens i can't remember off the top of my head i had it when i was in 14 or 15 and then i did eventually herniate my discs because i wasn't doing thb at the time i was doing whatever i wanted it might just be a, is it a compressed disc with, um, i can't remember what it is I, you know what i'm talking about but yeah the majority yeah. of the population if you were to put a them bulge? under a microscope they have damage to those to that fibrocartilage this is pretty common but it's the tough part about it is that you, you have what people don't understand is it's a continuum. You can have a little bit of damage and no pain, totally pain-free and live a very active lifestyle doing full training or whatever else, or you might have a really serious tear. And then part of the meniscus is actually flipped over on itself and your knee buckles and locks because you can't bend it. Cause there's literally a piece of fibrocartilage between the femur and the tibia and, and you're screwed. And it's just, it's different for everyone. But the, not every injury to the meniscus is created equally. They're all going to be different. That's like saying, oh, I ripped this piece of paper in half or I ripped this piece of paper. Like to what extent did you rip it completely in half? Did you give it a little tear on one side? <laughs> is it crumpled up in a ball yeah. and flipped over on itself? That's just, I mean, the body isn't, it's not this dichotomous thing where it's just, it's either this or it's this. It's could be, it's a continuum. There's a bunch of different things that could happen could have a piece of bone between your joint or whatever that's causing pain in the meniscus. It's really tough to just say it's either this or it's this, and this is the solution. That's not yeah. the case. Like every there's meniscus also, injury is there's different. Also a lot of, there's also a lot of interesting research on just the, the psychological pain that might come from an injury that you never felt comfortable recovering from, where your brain is now hardwired to feel some sort of discomfort or pain in an area when an actual like physical abnormality no longer exists. Yeah, yeah. That, that's like nociception in your brain. Yeah, your brain basically learns it. That's what isometrics do, actually. They decrease the pain sensation that you feel. You have a decreased sensitivity, basically, to the tendon. That's part of the reason why they work so well. 
And the tenant can still function super optimally and pain-free. It just doesn't even matter. You actually have more good tenant than bad tenant when you have tenantopathy because you've loaded it so many times to get tenantopathy that you cause the tenant to produce a bunch of collagen matrix and actually stiffen itself and become hy- and hypertrophy. But if you're feeling pain, it's, yeah, your sensitivity, like Hunter said, is increased to a point that, like, you feel more pain. That's what one of the benefits of isometrics is. I just, we went really in on a bunch of different stuff. But to answer Isaiah's question, if you have pain that is not a tendon in the knee, go see a doctor. If it's chondromalacia, if it's a meniscus, if it's an ACL, PCL, any of the ligaments in the knee, and it's not a tendon or a muscle, you should see a doctor. Because tendons and muscles, the intervention's pretty much a lot easier. Unless you rupture it, <laughs> in which case, obviously, go see it. But a little bit of tendon pain, yeah. soreness, or whatever else, like you're not going to go see a doctor for delayed onset muscle soreness or a little bit of t- joint soreness or pain, like a little bit of arthritis. It's just it's probably not what you're going to do. If you're having pain in the center of your knee, go get a diagnosis, go see like a PT or whatever else. Like it makes, I see so many people like in our coaching, like they treat us like we're doctors. <laughs> be so, your doctor. <laughs> yeah. I go answer the, que- I answer the questions every morning and I'll open it and some guys, Hey, like I, sprained my acl and i also i think i tore this and i feel it right in the middle of my knee what should i do i'm like go see a doctor bro. <laughs> yeah like <laughs> this is way out of this is there are levels to this shit <laughs> like, yeah i mean it's, and we're it's not true. and we we're completely transparent with what we can or can't do we're not dude uh, so many pts are like claim so many PTs are like, oh, you claim you could fix everything. I'm like, no, like not at all. I like, and you don't, first yeah. off, you don't own pain. So shut the, shut up. Like Jill Cook, Ebony Rio told me that on a call once. She's like, PTs don't own pain. Like we did the research and shit like that. Like we did it for everyone. We didn't use it. So just PTs had access to it, like to exercise. Like that's stupid. But yeah. yeah there, and the other question we get is, oh, you think you can, you're not a doctor. You're not a PT. You didn't go, you didn't take part in an anatomy model and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, you're right. I didn't. And when I, when things are outside of my scope, I pass it off. You know what I mean? I deal with jumping athletes. I deal with common injuries that jumping athletes have that my S and C training can either mitigate function as prehabilitation for, or just assist an athlete get pain-free because there's a lot of problems. If you just walk into, if you're like 90% back, but you're not hundred percent back going to PT is like, there's like this weird in between that we fill the void for, I feel. Yeah. Having said that, I feel like we should do a part two of this load management. I think in a part two, we can cover, I'm reading right here, common mistakes, yeah. load management through in-season basketball. Threshold, pain threshold. Backs, splints. Bone loading. There's um, so many things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll do a part two. Also, we'll close it out if here. If you're watching on YouTube, comment things that you want us to cover specifically about load management. I think that would be pretty cool to see answer you guys questions sweet oh, we'll close yeah. it out then does that sound good yep all right sweet also we're officially on apple Podcasts. i got a an email saying that so if you're on apple podcast give us a five-star rating leave what a do good you, what review. do you look up is it thb strength is it thb strength podcast it's thb strength also you should THB be strength. able to look up thb strength and that's THB it thb strength also shout out matt leaving a great review matt mckinnis watson appreciate it yeah, my guy Matt. That's a fire review for us. <laughs> yeah, we'll close it out now. Thanks for listening, guys. As Isaiah said, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or you're listening on Spotify, make sure that you like, comment, leave a review. It helps the algorithm. It helps us grow and get this information out. We want to try to be the number one fitness health training podcast in the country for SNC coaches for athletes. It's totally free, and it takes you guys 30 seconds to do that. So make sure that you, that you do that. If you're listening on YouTube, leave a comment, like, 
whatever else. Again, it helps us. Even if it's just that, Hey guys, I like this or Hey guys, I'm listening. Doesn't even have to be anything crazy. Definitely helps us for sure. And follow us on Instagram. Thanks for listening guys. And we will catch you on tomorrow's episode. Peace out. Peace.